Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Cast of Kings, an unofficial podcast about the HBO original series Game of Thrones. I'm David Chen. I'm Joanna Robinson. And together we are recapping season six of Game of Thrones, or at least hopefully we are. Uh, as usual, we have launched a Kickstarter to get support for this upcoming season, which will take many, many dozens of hours of work uh, and rereading the five chapters of the book that haven't been covered in the show yet, Joanna. Um, how many chapters is it, actually? Like, There's actually a okay. substantial amount of book material that has I, not been covered on the show yet, right? Yeah, I couldn't calculate chapters for you off my head, off the top of my head, but yeah, good portions of both book four and five. So if, if there are those of you who are hoping that uh, Joanna's smug book reading ways would go away this season... <laughs> no. No. Maybe season seven. We can hope for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, but so... then in theory, George R. R. Martin will have written another book, in theory. In theory, in theory. Uh, well, if you're just tuning into this podcast for the first time, uh, what we do on the show is we recap uh, every episode of Game of Thrones. We don't spoil anything from future episodes or future books. Uh, and Joanna has read every single book in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. I've read only one, the original uh, first book, uh, entitled A Game of Thrones. And uh, we need your support if we're going to get the season off the ground. Uh, so what we'd really love is if you could go to GameOfThronesPodcast.com. You'll find a link to this episode. And uh, in that episode show notes, you'll find a link to the Kickstarter. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, cool rewards for the Kickstarter, including recording an episode with us, uh, as well as sponsoring an episode, which is kind of a big deal. We haven't really offered this for a couple of years, but every episode of Season 5 received about 100,000 downloads. So if you would like to get your product or your message in front of all of those people, our discerning and intelligent and witty audience, uh, then you want to go to GameOfThronesPodcast.com, hit the link for that Kickstarter, and sponsor us sometime before the season premiere of Game of Thrones, uh, which is c coming right up real soon. Uh, so as of you listening to this, probably within a week or so, it'll be... Uh, uh, out and uh, our Kickstarter will be over, so there is very little time. So yeah, to, to clarify, the Kickstarter ends Saturday morning, actually. Yes. So the the season premieres Sunday, April twenty fourth, but the Kickstarter ends early on Saturday, April twenty third. So that's your deadline. Yep. All right. So if you want to uh, back that Kickstarter in any way, uh, go to GameOfThronesPodcast dot com and click on that link for the Kickstarter in the show notes. Uh, another thing, actually, I wanted to mention, a lot of people have asked how they can access old episodes in a convenient podcast feed. Uh, just know that I'm working on that. Uh, I don't know if I'll have a solution, but if I do have a solution, it will likely be something that is uh, exclusive to uh, present and previous Kickstarter backers. So uh, I would highly recommend you, you uh, check out the Kickstarter at GameOfThronesPodcast.com, and we'll have more information, hopefully, uh, about that if I uh, can figure out a way to get another feed up with all of our, our back episodes. So all that being said, what are we doing here today? Uh, I thought, given that the season premiere is going to be upon us very soon, Joanna, that we would just spend some time talking about uh, where we are in the show, what, is ha what has happened with each of the major characters, uh, some things that we might be looking forward to in the next season. Uh, obviously, Joanna has gotten really good about not spoiling future episodes over the last four years, and this year I think will be no different, so she's not going to be able to share that much about what she's looking forward to. 
but I will try and uh, say some things, <laughs> and Joanna may be able to confirm or deny them. But I, I probably that... I probably won't confirm or deny anything, but I might vague up some uh, some <laughs> thoughts of my own. You, you'll vague them up. That's very <laughs> cool. Um, Joanna, I think the biggest uh, question that was was left at the end of last season, and so we should say we're going to spoil everything through every Game of Thrones episode that's ever aired, is what is going on with Jon Snow? Now, I seem to recall you going a bit off the deep end with the Jon Snow hair watch last year in the insistence that Kit Harrington had not been fired up from the show, Jon Snow was somehow still alive, and that you were convinced that he was somehow coming back. Now, press for this show has seemed to contradict this, and I guess I wanted to take your temperature on what you think is going to happen with Jon Snow, and do you think this is all just like some large, elaborate publicity lie to suck us into the new season with regards to Jon Snow's fate? Okay, well, a couple things. Uh, I object to the phrase deep end. (laughs) 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 I think if I went off the deep end, the entire nation went off the... No, the entire world went off the deep end. It it is true. It was like a cultural phenomenon for a while. Like, I remember, was it... Uh, Kit Harrington went to like Wimbledon. Yeah, it was Wimbledon. It was Wimbledon, and people were freaking out about his hair, that he, it was the same hairstyle as before. And so, therefore, he's coming back, etc. She still has. And you know, when he was at Wimbledon, um, no less than Camillo Parker Bowles asked him if he was coming back to Game of Thrones. Like he said that in a recent interview that at Wimbledon, Camillo Parker Bowles walked up to him and was like, Excuse me, are you coming back to Game of Thrones? Um, so. <laughs> So the whole nation, the whole world, off the deep end with me. Um, okay, so this is the one area that I feel comfortable not being vague about. I've said this from the start, like, so well, I've said from the start that I was ninety nine point nine nine percent certain he was coming back. I'm gonna ratchet that up to hundred percent certain. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all the stuff that's come out, like you know, I've heard, I've heard vague rumblings. I've heard through the grapevine about Jon Snow potentially coming back. You think that that is all just a smokescreen for the eventual reveal that will then shock viewers, correct? I th- what I think is that a lot of everyone who's interviewed is very careful to say Jon Snow is dead. And I agree with that. Jon Snow is dead. But we're watching a show that has dragons and zombies and all sorts of stuff. So I'm not saying – I don't think that means um, we will never see Jon Snow in one form or another again. Hmm. Gotcha. So John, so it's basically a non-denial denial, right? They're, what they're saying is technically true that Jon Snow is dead, but he might come back to life or he might but come when back Kit, to some when other Kit, when Kit Harrington said the only reason um, that he came back to just film himself as a dead body, I don't believe that. <laughs> as a flashback to his dead body. Well, I mean, you've watched the trailers. His dead body's in the trailers. So Kit Harrington did definitely show up to film himself as a dead body. But I, I don't think that's all he did. I, I, I thought it could have been alternate takes of what they originally had, so I, I didn't necessarily jump to that conclusion. But uh, So you're saying 100%, Joanna? 100%. 100%. If I'm wrong, you're all allowed to laugh at me. It's okay. Totally fine. All right. What if I, I can't exercise that option anyway, if, even if you're not wrong? No? Uh, about other things. <laughs> okay. But, okay. But I think you have to, like, eat your words about deep end and all other things that you said to me. <laughs> all all right. those hateful <laughs> remarks that I made <laughs> over the last 12 months. Right, right. Uh, I didn't really make any hateful remarks. No, no. Uh, I, I, although I, I was in a bit of awe around uh, how certain you were that this would happen, given that you didn't have advanced book knowledge about it. So, 
uh, we'll see how that plays out. But I was certain from the moment, like, I think in our podcast right after the finale, I was certain already. Right. So, yes. So what I thought we'd do is let's just go through each plot line very quickly, kind of summarize uh, what is happening with each of these characters. And uh, maybe I can talk a little bit about what I am expecting this season or what I'm most looking forward to or how I felt about that specific plot line. Cool? Yeah. Uh, so let's start with, uh, you know, the finale was structured in a specific way. Let's, let's do it the way the finale did it. So uh, it, the finale, I think, opened on Stannis, and he had just uh, killed his daughter, burned her alive the previous episode uh, to uh, secure a victory against the Boltons at Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did this at the behest of... Melisandre. Melisandre. And... Uh, as a result of that, a, a bunch of his men deserted him. His wife hung, him, hung herself. Stannis lost everything, but he's like, hey, at least uh, I'm going to take Winterfell. And what happens? So, yeah, he goes, he goes, he tries to take Winterfell. He loses badly. The Bolton men surround him. And then Brienne encounters him in the woods, takes a good whack at his head. Uh, we don't actually see his head come off, but the writers uh, have confirmed that he is dead. So the Baratheon line is snuffed out, I believe. Uh, but have they confirmed it in the same way they've confirmed that Jon Snow is dead? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I believe that Stannis Baratheon is dead. All right. I believe, so Stannis, Shireen, Salise are all dead. Uh, so that's the Baratheon nuclear family. Robert's dead. None of the his kids are his kids, and they're dropping life flies anyway. Uh, so in terms of named Baratheons, I believe this is true, that they're all dead now. All right. Uh, and I think Brienne barely – she walked away right in time for Sansa to light the little candle there, and it didn't really work out there. Right? Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's what happens with Stannis. It is very tragic, like a very tragic fall for uh, a difficult-to-get-along-with, disagreeable, and yet at times noble and potentially good-hearted uh, person. Who then uh, killed his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he had a good justification, Joanna Robinson. So, you know, there's that. Uh, okay. No, I guess that doesn't resonate with you. <laughs> it was pretty monstrous what he did. Uh, I, I mean, that's the thing is he lost everything. And that's really sad uh, that, like, even the utilitarian calculation he made about uh, taking over the throne did not work out well. And I think our conclusion from this is meant to be that Melisandre's visions are selectively interpreted if not outright wrong right um yeah i think selectively interpreted is right right like yeah that she well that's my belief anyway actually i can say this because i'm not basing it off of anything um uh, you know i think melisandre does have powers and i think we've seen it i mean we've definitely seen it with like the smoke baby so yeah either she her vision powers are non-existent or she has interpreted them incorrectly. But she's, she's fallible, basically, I think, is uh, what we learned from this. And uh, she rides off to Winterfell uh, for what purpose? Do we know? Is it explained? No. Sort of, um, I think, in defeat a bit, seemed to me. When she shows up at Winterfell, she doesn't really say anything. So I think it's – she just looked beat down to right. me. Because uh, so, she just burned a kid <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> she, she just burned a kid alive for nothing and saw the dude she was heavily invested in 
uh, right. march off into certain death. Really love that battle sequence, by the way, where you see a bunch of uh, Stannis' men fleeing from yeah. the Boltons, uh, which is seems very plausible as to what would actually happen in that situation. Um, so speaking of Winterfell, what happens there? So, as you say, Sansa lights a candle to no avail. Um, she escapes. She gets caught by Miranda. Theon rescues her to a certain extent, tosses Miranda over the railing. She goes splat. And then Theon and Sansa jump for it from the wall of Winterfell. A lot of people thought they might die. But if you've seen the trailers or the promo images, you know not only are they not dead, but they're still running. So they didn't even, like, sprain an ankle or anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They're fine. <laughs> uh, so Theon. I mean, in- they're they're fine for like starved and beaten and abused they, they, and run into the woods. <laughs> they will appear for at least uh, part of one episode. That's a, that's what we know about them. Sure. Uh, all right. So then, Bravos. What's going on at Bravos? Um, so at Bravos, we had Arya put on the face of um, someone else and go in disguise into the brothel. And uh, kill Marin Tran in a really violent way. And then uh, Jack and Hagar sort of confronts her in the face room. He and the waif, it's unclear who's wearing whose face. And eventually Arya is revealed to be blind. Right, like she's not ready to wear the mask. So because of that, the mask made her blind, right? Um, That's my interpretation of it. Okay, I'm I'm not inclined to extrapolate it quite that far. I gotcha. Okay. So, in any case, uh, I, I thought the Arya Bravo storyline was pretty diff- tough, you know, last season. Uh, a lot of stuff going on that wasn't explained, uh, and I'm hoping we'll get a little bit more clarification this season as to what's going on and how Arya is going to resolve the whole blindness situation. It was clear to me, th- though, that she wasn't ready, you know, to be yeah. no one because she took uh, revenge on someone that she was supposed yes. to take revenge on. She took a I life right. that wasn't hers to take. So It was a crime of passion, not of assassin business. Right. Um, I, I would say that something that Maisie Williams is doing, the actress who plays Arya, is trying to sort of dampen expectations for her plotline this season because <laughs> she's called it boring. She says she's not in it very much. And that we'll see Arya sort of brought really low. So, you know, those are like the hints that she's dropped to the public about what we can expect from Arya this year. That's too bad because she... But if it is boring and she's not in it very much, then that's a net positive, right? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's what happened at Bravos, And yeah, the Marin Trant, you know, death scene, very brutal. Very brutal. Uh, So what's going on at Marine? So in Marine, Daenerys, as we remember, hopped on Drogon and flew off into the sunset. And she did uh, that because she was getting attacked, right? Right, right. That they were all attacked in the fighting pits um, by the Sons of the Harpy. So Tyrion, Missandei, Grey Worm were left in charge. Jorah and Dario went to go look for Daenerys. And Varys showed up to help Tyrion sort of hold down Marine while Danny was gone, yeah. uh, in theory. Uh, and then we see Danny sort of on a grassy cliff with Drogon, and she goes down to look for food, and all of a sudden we see all these Dothraki sort of surround her, um, and she drops her ring in the in the grass. It's right. the last thing we saw. Presumably so. as a way for others to track her. Uh, right. I was so confused by that last time, but I think a listener really immediately pointed out that 
it's not just a ring in the grass. It's a ring in the center of all these hoof prints in the grass. Right. And so that Jora and, and Dario might be able to find her that yeah. way. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're, we were also ignoring what we assume must have been Jora's amazing tracking skills. So uh, regardless, <laughs> regardless of hoof prints, she probably could have been able to find it. So A, a ring in an entire yeah, in a huge grassy meadow. sea? Okay. Yeah, I all agree. Right. Cool, cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what do these Dothraki intend for, Danny? I don't think we know. Like, th- this is past the book as, w- as well, I believe, right? Is that correct? Or do you know kind of what happens? No, she meets the Dothraki. That's the last we see of her. I see, in the book. Mm-hmm. So you don't know anything about the Danny storyline either then, right? Mm. <laughs> okay. Not based on books, I don't, know. Mm, okay, yeah. I guess I'm very curious kind of what they intend. My, my big mm-hmm. questions are... What they intend for her, and also, do they know that she's Khaleesi, and like how much of that is going to come out, basically? Because mm-hmm. um, it's not clear to me that they know. So, you're, uh, what you know about next season is based on you've seen both trailers. The I have seen one teaser trailer, and that's it. Oh, you didn't see the most recent trailer? No. Okay. No. And then you, and then they've they've released like four, five, actually like maybe six clips at this point from yeah. the first episode, and you've watched any of those? I haven't seen any of that. Yep. Okay, great. Yep. So I'm not going to spoil anything for Dave. So guys, if you're listening and you're like, oh, actually, Joanna, they, you know, like I <laughs> I know, but we're not going to talk about it because Dave doesn't know. So all right. Uh, so Dorn, last season, kind of a wasted plotline. I think you'll agree with me. It didn't really go anywhere. Wasn't very interesting. The stuff that took place there kind of sucked right. uh, from, from my recollection. But all that being said, uh, what happens in Dorne in the season finale of season five? Braun and Jamie and Tristane and Marcella get in a boat to go back to King's Landing and the Sand Snakes and Prince Doran say goodbye to them on the docks. And uh, Braun has a tender moment with one of the Sand Snakes. And uh, then there are, we cut to the ship, and Jamie is with Marcella, and they're having a lovely moment, and then she super dies. So she's dead. Because Alaria has poisoned her by kissing her on the mouth with uh, right. some kind of poison, right? Right, right. Uh, and I think the big questions for me are, like, what are the consequences of Alaria's treachery going to be? Uh, because I think the king of Dorne, right, uh, or whoever's in charge of Dorne, had made her promise to swear fealty to him. Yeah, Prince Duran. Yeah, Prince Duran. Yeah, and uh, she had kissed the ring and said, "I'm going to do whatever you say from now on." Then, while uh, the boat is still in view of the in dock, the harbor, yeah, in the do- in the harbor, uh, she kills Marcella. It seems like the worst plan. I don't like. It's just a terrible, terrible plan. Right. So I'm curious. Like, the, like, the sand like, snakes have been terrible at planning for all the time we've known them on screen. So it's <laughs> not out of character. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm very curious. Is that boat gonna make it home? Even will they turn around right there and be like, who is responsible for this? I'm very curious. How, One of my favorite off season theories that really is not based in any reality. So I feel comfortable saying it is that. Broad and Jamie turn the boat around because they've got Prince Tristane yes. on the board, right? Prince Tristane is on the boat. <laughs> so they turn the boat around and just circle around the harbor, dropping pieces of Prince Tristane in the water, just being like, here's an ear, here's a foot, here's, you know, like, I mean, why, why would they do that? It's a terrible, terrible idea. So, yeah. Uh, well, it, it definitely fits with what the world of Game of Thrones, you know, has done before. So I, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, King's Landing. 
we had a really amazing scene at King's Landing in the season finale last season. Uh, what what happened at King's Landing, John Robinson? So this was Cersei's big moment, the big book moment for Cersei that a lot of people have been waiting for. Um, and she confesses to some, but not all of her sins. And she is made to do the Walk of Shame, which has become quite the delightful meme, meme since, the shame nun. Uh, she's stripped, she's washed, she's shaved, she walks from the Sept to the Red Keep, and Kyburn wraps her up, and Sir Robert, who is the uh, zombie version of the mountain, picks her up and takes her off. And we see this look on her face that's like, you she guys are pay. Yeah, she's not, <laughs> defeated. She's not been yeah. defeated yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think we had alluded to the fact that uh, after last season that they used a body double. I think we had talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was, in fact, confirmed yes. uh, that they used the body double. And actually, I rewatched uh, the finale for the purposes of recording this with you today. Mm-hmm. And if you look very closely, it, it is quite obvious. I think shots, it's pretty apparent. Yeah. yeah, the shots that use the body double because uh, her head just doesn't match the rest of yeah. her body in the same way that it does when it's just her. Uh, and but the the woman who's a body double gave an interview, I believe, to Entertainment Weekly. That's right. I've read that interview. Yeah, yeah, and it was pretty interesting because she talked about how Lena Headey like walked down the street with her, like in some shots, to sort of give her a sense of what to do, which right. I thought was really cool. I didn't know if it was with her in the shot or just like rehearsing. Rehears- with her. Rehearsing, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and like just helping her get into the mind space. But basically, uh, the story of, of that, how that was filmed, is pretty extraordinary. I mean, you have. This woman uh, who needs to walk down this street for quite a while while 500 extras uh, curse at her and throw food and other filth at her. Uh, and they filmed that for three days to get that mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. And that is just an amazing like feat of production. Uh, and it makes for an incredible kind of, uh, how do you say, debasement of... This character who uh, is probably one of the most hated characters on this show, but this scene really does make you feel sympathy for her. Yeah, I, I, I've been talking about this elsewhere that um, you saw the first trailer, which means you saw her say, I choose violence. Yes. And I sort of had like a yeah moment about that. And I, I realized it was kind of fun to root for Cersei, who I have not rooted for previously on the show. Right. Um, everyone loves an underdog, even though she's a terrible person. This really did humanize her. And, uh, you know, I might go back to not rooting for her very quickly. But <laughs> the, the whole I choose violence, I was like, yeah, you do. All right. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, and so we'll see how she enacts that violence, uh, presumably against the High Sparrow, whose services she employed when it suited her, but once he became too powerful, uh, it really created a lot of problems for her. So, uh, And I'm also curious uh, how this whole shame scene, like, are we going to see the political implications of it? You know, in the sense that uh, I, I would assume back then, or, you know, whenever this took place. <laughs> back then in fictional times. Back then in fictional <laughs> Westeros times. Uh, yeah. That a, a lot of ruled, uh, or a lot of the ruling elite derived their power from how people saw them, right? And uh, they were thought to be untouchable. They were thought to be uh, completely inaccessible, and you can't ever uh, even touch them at all uh, or say anything to them. And then for someone to be stripped naked, walk through the streets, and then people are yelling all sorts of horrendous things at her 
Uh, I do wonder if that will affect her ability to rule. I assume it will. Um, so I'm curious kind of how that's going to play out. That's kind of my, mm, my curiosity mm-hmm. for, for that, that plot line. Is that, now, do you know any more about that plot line in the books or is that, is that your... In the books, yes. Okay, cool. Because so, this happens in like book four. So we know a little bit of what happens after that. Gotcha. For okay. Cersei, yeah. And then finally... Uh, you know, probably the biggest heartbreak of the entire season was everyone's favorite character, <laughs> Ollie, uh, ends up betraying everyone's second favorite character, Jon uh-huh. Snow. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. and that's that's difficult for anyone to take when yeah, you know, two yeah. beloved characters right fight Come against each other. Yeah, oh, just a clash <laughs> for the ages. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, the big question for me, John Robinson, is, is Ollie going to return this season, right? I think we're all on the edge of our seat on that one. Uh, Uh-huh. Yeah. um, That kid's hair watch, 2016. (laughs) (laughs) That kid's hair watch. (laughs) I think it's Brendan something. Brendan O'Connor, something like that. Uh, Yeah, I... uh, Yeah, yeah. So Ollie um, basically fulfilled... (laughs) <laughs> what I thought was his promise, which is that he would turn out to be a huge traitor and the worst. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the fuck Ollie Reddit exploded with glee. And then we all got kind of sad because Jon Snow is dead. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, what really happened at the wall, right, is that Sam and John said goodbye and Sam and Gilly headed off to Old Town. Um, Davos asked for help. Uh, given what happened with Stannis and John is reluctant and he says the wildings aren't, aren't part of this fight at all. Melisandre arrives at the castle. Sorry. Davos asks for help. He doesn't know about Stannis. Right. He doesn't know that Stannis is completely obliterated. Yeah. Right. But he's like, but Stannis sent him away because he was about to burn Shireen. Right. And so Davos, like the last Davos knew Stannis was still alive. Shireen was still alive. Elise was still alive, but they were all starving and in a bad way, stuck in the snow. So he came back to ask for reinforcements, and John was reluctant. Uh, Melisandre shows up. She tells John about and Davos about Stannis and Shireen, and then John is in his study. Ollie shows up, lies about Uncle Benjamin being back, uh- <laughs> whose, whose fate is still unknown. Right. right? John hurries out into the courtyard full of hope, as we all were, that Benjamin might be there waiting for him, his uncle, and uh, instead is stabbed by Alistair Thor. Well, I don't know if Alistair did any stabbing. No, he did. He did. Okay. Uh, he definitely stabbed. Okay. Yeah. Alistair Thorne and a bunch of people. He, you could even say he initiated the stabbing. Ah, okay. <laughs> Alistair Thorne initiates the stabbing. You might – Dave told me to watch the last episode before we recorded this podcast. You might tell I did not. Dave did. Uh, <laughs> So Alistair Thorne initiates the stabbing, other Night's Watchmen stab, and then Ollie stabs, and Jon Snow bleeds out into the snow, and cut to black. So I will say this about the Fuck Ollie subreddit. It is incredibly resilient. It has... I I don't remember... We were comparing numbers last season, John Robinson, and... uh, It was like in a few hundreds, a few thousands. It's now at 11,000 members, uh, the Fuck Ollie subreddit. And... It, there's kind of this formula for the Fuck Ollie subreddit that's pretty interesting. You can go to fuckollie.reddit.com. Yeah, I think we've talked about this. There'll be a headline yeah. that says, hey, Ollie's not that bad. And then you click through and it's like, just kidding, fuck Ollie. <laughs> that, yeah. that is 90% of the posts on there. Um, but 
So I host this other podcast, A Storm of Spoilers. It's like all the spoilers about Game of Thrones. And someone asked how we thought Ollie would die this season. That's not a spoiler, just like in the fuck Ollie vein, right? And it was like, it was like by ice or by fire. And I was like, oh, I think Ghost, John's dire wolf, will grab Ollie by the throat and throw him off the wall, which I actually think is was someone else's theory. But, um, you so know, do, I, do you I actually think, think Ollie's going to die this season? I'd be delighted if he did. Um, I don't know, actually. <laughs> they might go for redemption. I have no idea. But, uh, mm. you know, Game of Thrones likes killing off people. And I think that they're not afraid to kill a character who turns uh, – an amalgamation character that turns out to be not very popular. Rest in peace, Roz. Um, and especially since Ollie is not a book character, you know, so there's no future plot for him necessarily. So they could just kill him with no – book consequences whatsoever but they've also shown that they're not really that concerned with messing with the book timeline at this point so i don't know all right i think <laughs> that runs through all the plot lines uh i don't know if we're gonna see sam again you know uh and of course the big thing we haven't mentioned is i don't think bran was in a single episode last season right am i right about that or he was i'm 100 percent sure we've talked about this yeah because they announced it before the season that Isaac Hempstead White and um, Christian Nairn, who plays Hodor, and the actress who plays Mira, that they were taking the season off. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so they weren't in any episodes last season. So uh, I think, I, my, I suspect we will rejoin them again this season and see what happens to that last Stark child. Uh, and so very curious about that. There are a lot of confusions uh, about what powers he has, what he's capable of, uh, and is he going to have anything to do with the other storylines? What storyline slash character slash plot slash whatever are you most looking forward to this season, John Robinson? No one's going to believe me, <laughs> but it's San- it's Sansa Stark. Okay, and why? And is actually, that? I think that's a pretty common sentiment. Why is it? Um, Sophie Turner has said the actress who plays Sansa Stark has said. I mean, she was asked. <laughs> three words to describe her character in season six. She said, boss ass bitch. Um, <laughs> so it's my hope that, you know, after all the drama and like Castle King's listener f- fracturing we went through last season, um, that at least we can get to a place where Sansa is not a victim anymore. So that's what I would like. I don't think it would make last season worth it, but uh, I would really like to see that character in a different role this year. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how uh, the showrunners have taken the criticism about the show from last season, about how the show deploys um, sex and sexual violence, and whether it's going to change. Because I, I recall reading news stories saying that they were going to change their approach to it, given how negative well, the reaction was. They gave an interview... Okay. I really, you know, I'm not, I really am not trying to start a war with this publication, I promise you. But I will say, just to be honest with all of you listeners, that I take everything printed in Entertainment Weekly with a grain of salt because um, it is all glowingly positive about the show and it's all whatever the showrunners want to say. And that's fine. But, you know, Weiss and Benioff gave an interview to Entertainment Weekly saying they did not change a single word based on criticism. I don't believe that, but, and we can talk about that after everyone's seen the premiere, but uh, that's what they're saying, so. 
Yeah, so uh, we'll see how the show's tone shapes up the season. Uh, but John Robinson, I think really the big story this season is going to be that we are going to be in Brave New World, right? Uh, where the difference between a book reader and a show uh, uh, show watcher uh, is going to become less and less as the season goes on. Do you think that's correct? Yeah, I mean, you might want to read <laughs> this other interview in Entertainment Weekly today that uh, was printed about spoilers. Weiss and Benioff talking about how much they hate the spoiler culture that sprung up around their show. And I think it was, it's more intense than other shows, given that it's based on a beloved, you know, book series. Um, but your spoiler policy is reflected very, very much in that article. Uh, <laughs> how, how so? In what way? There's like a long introduction all about like how reading spoilers is, I don't know, the fall of humanity or whatever. It's, it's an extreme reaction to any sort of spoiler culture around Game of Thrones. Um, and I, t- I take their meaning on some points because, you know, th- there are, like, people who will break into their set in order to get information, and Weiss and Benioff are upset about that, and that I do understand. But I think that there's just a genuine curiosity and excitement around people who want to know more about the story, and I don't think that that's harmful in any way. So, um, all that being said, uh, you know... To answer your question, yeah, the, the line is blurred between a book reader and a non-book reader. There's still, as as I said before, plenty of book four and book five stuff that they haven't adapted. Maybe plenty is too generous. There's there's a decent amount of book material. They're going backwards on some of the plot lines, uh, as we know, uh, those of us who have been paying attention. So they're going back to some old book stuff that they didn't cover before. Um, but it, it, it is going to be different, and it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, and but I, how does it feel? Do you feel excited or are you dreading it? Like, what is your... I was kind of dreading it, actually, up until the second trailer. The first trailer, I don't know, but the second trailer, which you haven't seen, and that's fine, uh, got me really excited for some reason. I don't know why. It, why, just... why were you kind of dreading it? Because you enjoyed the advantage you have in reading the books? <laughs> you were sad to see it go away? Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's part of it, but not in, like, a really snotty, smug way, but... Um, I, I don't know. I, it, it's just cool to, you know, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time about it, but it is cool to consume a piece of media and have like a much deeper understanding of it than most people it's, watching. It's, it. it's not even deeper understanding. It's that I really enjoy talking about adaptation, which is what you and I both did with the season one rewatch, right? Yeah. It's really intriguing to compare, um, you know, a book you've read or a play you've seen or whatever to how it is n- you know, needs to be changed to work on the screen and why they made certain decisions and why they made other decisions. That's really interesting to me. To lose some of that, you know, is not as interesting to me, but I'm all wrapped up in this world and these characters and our listeners and the whole conversation. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, it should be a very interesting season I foresee. Uh, and yeah, you guys can help make it happen by going to GameOfThronesPodcast.com, clicking on the Kickstarter link, and supporting us uh, for this season of A Cast of Kings. Uh, so I think that's it, John Robinson. Uh, we will try to get out the first recap of the first episode of this season within 24 to 48 hours after uh, that episode airs, right? So we, uh, we always aim for Monday nights. Yes. With, you know, as much as we possibly can, so... Yep, uh, and so we're really looking forward to it, and thank you in advance for your support, and uh, it's going to be... Thank you. thank you for those of you who have already supported. Yes. Like, it's kind you? of... We put the Kickstarter up... Was it yesterday? Two days ago? 
Yesterday, I think. Yesterday? Yeah, <laughs> you guys are incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. You guys are amazing. So uh, thanks so much. And uh, Jonah Robinson, where can people find more of your work on the internet in the meantime? VanityFair.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This, or you can hear me talking about spoilers on A Storm of Spoilers. Uh, yeah, going to be very curious what's going to happen with the two podcasts after this season if there's no books uh, left. But uh, presumably the book will come out this year, yes? Well, we're doing um, like uh, casting news and like other stuff, other stuff outside of the books. Gotcha. All right, cool. Uh, well, find all my stuff at DaveChen.me. And uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys uh, in about 10 days or so. The in the 